I do like the title of um, uh, Mr. Lil Nas, If You're Nasty. <laughs> Should it be If You're Nasty or If You're Country? Yeah, If You're Country. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. Country, country music. Yeah, I don't know where to start with uh, today's whole theme. There's too many layers, and I think the most frustrating thing about it is the hypocrisy. But there's no real easy opening to that. It's controversial. It's um, hot button. It's trigger. It's all that kind of stuff. And it's like you said, there, there's it's a tunnel tunnel layers. It's complicated. Certainly fun to discuss, though. Yeah. Um, well, it, I, I guess it also dovetails nicely with our last conversation where we were talking about whether it's not only lyrics or music or what makes something country. Actually, that's, that might be a good place to pick things up because in the last conversation, we were talking about exactly that. And that's something should point out is that episode number two, when was when did we record that? I think we posted it the other day. It was a couple of weeks ago, though. No, it was more than that. Yeah. It, it was in early March, if not even February. Yeah, you're right. Because we did those two in the same weekend. And then we didn't do anything for a little while as we were organizing everything and put it up. So just as we had finished that and we're posting it, polishing it up in GarageBand, then this whole thing hits and it's almost perfect timing for what we were talking about, uh, dovetails into that conversation. And I was actually sitting here at the table and my fiance just played it for me. I had not heard of this yet and I didn't know what I was listening to. And she shows me the phone, it's on Spotify. And I'm looking at it, and I'm reading Lil Nas X. Never heard of it, but like I'm listening. It came to up on Spotify randomly as a con- like based off other country artists that were playing. I don't know. I think so. I was sitting here doing work. Yeah, and she was sitting there playing music as I was not really paying attention. It was a random mix of stuff. And so as this song is playing through, and I'm not really paying attention, she's kind of giggling and not giggling at it, but like in a novelty kind of way, like, what's this? And it's showing the phone to me, and I'm reading it, Lil Nas X, and I don't really pay attention, and she kind of prompts me to pay attention. And so I, I'm sitting there listening, and the first thing I'm thinking, I don't know anything about this controversy yet, or Billy Ray Cyrus or anything. It immediately zooms me back to our podcast conversation of, is something country, if your lyrics are country? Because we were talking about how so many people are saying, or defending all of these pop country, R&B, R&B, uh, more rap pop guys as being okay. The, the Walker Hayes and the Sam Hunts, because they're from the country, they're authentic, they're true to themselves, they're talking about country things, but this is just their way of expressing it, but it still fits in country because they're country people. And we are arguing against that, that there's more things that come to it rather than just that. Like you can be from the country and grow up a rap artist. And like, does that mean you should be on the country charts because you're 
from somewhere country or from the South. And so I, I was thinking about this as I'm listening to that. I'm like, this is very most definitely not country music, musically, instrumentally. But then I didn't even know entirely what he was saying yet because I was rough listening through the first one. It's like a horse down the road. That's what bugged me at the start was that it like it seemed like gibberish to me. Like it was just like it seemed like he was just saying country words. Country words, yeah. Gucci (laughs) hat and boots and bull riding and everything. And I'm I'm trying to focus a little listening to it, but at the same time the wheels are turning in my head like we were just talking about this. This is a perfect example. What is this song? Why is this happening? What is this? What does it mean? And then when the song ended and we started talking about it and looking at it and pulling up articles and seeing what's going on here, because I haven't heard it on country radio and I didn't pay attention to this controversy until then, it's kind of crazy. And it, we got into a pretty heated conversation about it uh, and the addition of Billy Ray having everything pulled off, like the implications or more than implications of the systemic racism that has been institutionalized in the country music establishment, pretty well documented for however many decades, maybe since the beginning. Um, And the hypocrisy of, (laughs) of saying okay to all kinds of white people doing rap, hip hop, RB style music with some country reference throughout the songs. Like we were talking about 90s country Walker Hayes the other day. Yeah, and it, I, I think when you look at that side of it, it makes me feel like, and I have no idea if, if this was the case, but it almost feels like it's a statement that's almost tailor-made for what we were discussing in the previous podcast. It's like, yeah. it seems like he he put this song out almost like, I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rap about some country shit and just leave it over here. And you guys do with it what you will. And then all of a sudden it ends up on this chart, on a country chart, and then goes away as fast uh, as it appeared because of people's outrage that this hip-hop song, this rap song, was on the country charts just because it was about horses. And then it disappears and then it comes back because some washed up white country singer decided it could come back. So yeah, exactly. And what the quote was from billboard as while old town road incorporates references to country and cowboy imagery, it does not embrace enough elements of today's country music to chart in its current version End quote. And that's a, that's such a hypocritical statement because it actually embodies everything about today's country music, which is that it's not country at all. Exactly. So you're going to sit here and use that as your excuse that it's being, it's being removed from the charts because it doesn't embody what I like. Nothing on the radio today on the country radio embodies. I wouldn't say nothing. Well, yeah, that's fair. I might have, might be getting a little overzealous. I get heated about this <laughs> stuff, as you know. Um, I don't know. I'll throw out my very scientific stat that like maybe 90%, maybe 85, maybe 82% of what's on there is like, it's to me, it's not country at all. And we've had a discussion. This is kind of what the whole podcast is about. It's not country at all. It's just maybe some guys half or half assed rapping. At least this guy's full ass rapping. Like, you know what I mean? We, we talked, and that was the funny thing we talked about this in the last episode where we're just like, 
you know what? If you're going to put rap in the country song, like get an actual rapper. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to hear, you know, some white boy country artist like doing a crappy job of rapping. Like get someone who can actually rap. And then but, here it is. And then, yeah. yoink. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, friend. But then I, I think it, it's... Oh, wait. Oh, you got Billy Ray. Yeah, yeah. You're oh, okay. Sweet. Okay, okay, okay. Good. Say, come, like, come in, come in. Yeah, it's like if you if you show up at a, at a club and they don't let you in and then like your buddy comes by and he's cool and they're like, oh, you're with him. Oh, yeah. Come on in. Welcome, you know? And he's white and the other guy was black. <laughs> then there's a whole nother layer of problem on top of it. Like you can't, you can't make this stuff up. And it's, you know, the only way to talk about it, I think, is, is in an informal sort of like... This sort of stuff can get real heated, but I, I think we're both on the, the same page that it's it's insane that they could pull this off the charts based on the other stuff that's that's on the existing Billboard country charts right now. If there's just no there's no sense behind what um, what they're doing, like, and, and then it makes it equally crazy that Billy Ray Cyrus can come in and then give it his seal of approval or whatever, and say. Now I'm gonna get on the track and I'm gonna basically validate it. And I, I, this is my personal opinion. We talked about this a little bit before, but I, I threw the word exploitation out there. I think your opinion is that maybe it's a little bit harsh and you think it's more opportunistic. But I, I really feel like someone like Billy Ray Cyrus, like I don't find him like a champion of of country music or a champion of equality or any of these things. Like I don't know where he's been for. A long time, maybe he's been maybe he's been doing all kinds of awesome things I don't know about, but he's been acting. Yeah, so fair enough. So, do you really think he was altruistically swooping in to save Lil Nas X from being um, thrown off the the country charts because of the injustice? I I, I think he was looking to gain some relevancy back, whatever small you know his shot at fame again, whatever, making some money, getting on a track that's relevant. Um, I, I think. It could be opportunistic from both sides. Like I, I guess maybe Lil Nas X. I'm sure he's an extremely intelligent individual for what he just did. The way he manipulated Went charts, from zero to hundred. Yeah, and it's it's genius how yeah. he did all of this. It's absolutely genius. And so for him, I guess it would make sense. And you you kind of brought up this point that it, it would make sense for him to get on board with Billy Ray Cyrus. If Billy Ray Cyrus, Cyrus comes to you, and you know he's a he is a country guy. He's an achy break your heart guy and wants to remix your song with you, and it's going to get you back on said charts. I mean, charts are money, right? So, you yeah, know, um, I think that's it, it could be opportunistic from both sides. But I do not feel... Which is a mutualism. Yeah, but so I... There's n- so there's inherently no exploitation. Yeah, I, I think I could still argue it, but I, I think... I just don't think Billy Ray Cyrus... I think he's trying to come off as a hero in this situation and like writing this wrong when really he just saw an, an opportunity. Yeah. Well, it's very possible. Um, I think, I don't know. I was l- listening to something, an interview with him and, uh, he, he echoed something that I read in the New Yorker as well that I didn't really like, or I don't care, but I didn't really agree with. Uh, I think his quote and somebody asked him, it might have been Rolling Stone, about um, what the deal was with him doing that or the genre as a country or not. And he said, uh, it's not about thinking inside the box or thinking outside the box. It's thinking there is no box, essentially disappearing genres. And there was a pretty decent article in The New Yorker by uh, Katie Batten. 
baton, baton. Um, uh, baton, I believe. <laughs> it's French. <laughs> um, in which she essentially lays out the whole story, uh, which finishes on the obvious idea of like there, it being potential racism, et cetera. Um, but says everything this is, all of these criticisms have been missing the point altogether. Um, it's an attempt to preserve, uh, quote, it's an attempt to preserve a system of genres that has been crumbling for many years and to affirm the primacy of a chart structure that is no longer relevant. And then goes on to say, the question of whether a song belongs to country music or to any genre for that matter is an outdated one. I don't believe that at all. I don't agree with it. Um, to me, that sounds like it's spoken by someone who doesn't listen to any kinds of traditional music or maybe doesn't um, always listen to or appreciate. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if she's a music writer, she has more than a passing knowledge of many kinds of music. But if you're all about any kind of traditional music, you can't have it heavily diluted. It, so it sounds like it's a position coming from someone who loves pop music and the so much of the character of pop music has been the cross-pollination of ideas and genres but something traditional like country surely evolves but to say it's okay to kick open the doors and or to take away the boxes entirely and get rid of genres i like it's, it's going to lead to a homogenization of all music everything's going to be pop with like slight changes here and there and I don't know if that's possible because people are so culturally and historically driven from where and how they come from um, and I get the inclusivity and dropping stereotypes and borders and everything argument but I don't know like country music is a thing because of where it comes from what it sounds like its history, its instruments, and then if you all of a sudden allow it to be taken over by any kind of other music, I don't I, know. I think it's, it's a conversation about gatekeepers as well. I, and I think it's, I, I don't know. Like you told me about this article, and I glazed it over as we were setting up, and it, it feels like I could, I could just feel as she was writing this, like how, how proud she was about. You know, that I feel like she thinks she's just breaking, smashing down barriers like it's almost a racial thing. And it's like, it, it's not. It, it's like musical genres exist for a reason. And, you know, there's a, a rich history there. And you, you you couldn't walk up to anyone. We had this, this conversation before. Imagine if you walked up to Nas, like not Lil Nas X, Nas. Like, and we're like, listen, hip hop's not a thing anymore. It's all one big happy family of music. And the history's all melded and blah, blah. It's like... The, the history comes along with the genre of the music. So when you're introducing uh, music to, to new people or whatever, it's like, or when you discover a, a genre, like I've said that so many times where I've discovered a genre of music, like in my formative years, it's like, and then you go down that rabbit hole and it's like, you need those things to exist. And I, I, there is so much crossover and I, everyone celebrates that. And I think it's amazing how that's happening um, now. But it all it comes from those, those places, right? There's a, there's a history there, and the crossovers can't exist if nothing's crossing over. You but know? And those crossovers, the, the place for them is the pop charts. 
Yeah, and it's there's not, other. It's not to say that no country charts. Now you need to be pop too. It's, yeah. No, let the pop stuff live on the pop charts. Like we were talking about Taylor Swift earlier, and they everybody keeps referencing Taylor Swift in this, saying Taylor Swift makes pop music, and she was a country person. She's not on country radio anymore. No. Since what was the record before 1989 or like when she made that hard switch? You can argue about like the last couple albums were too pop for country radio, but she was still played on there. But she made a hard exit out of country into pop. Good. Awesome. Good for her. Those songs are awesome. I like them as much, if not more than a lot of her late stuff within the context of pop. And if if country charts are allowed to do that and continue like, you know, on the topic of charts, I don't disagree with uh, this carry on that. I, I don't have as big of an opinion on charts specifically. Maybe she's making a valid point. Um, it might be a more commercial point, but with the idea of preserving outdated ideas of genre I entirely disagree. That's a very postmodern idea put onto something that's inherently traditional. And I I can't see it going away. No, and, and I mean I don't know. I, I don't wanna I don't think we need to give more credit than credit's due for this this article. It's just it is a ridiculous concept, I think. And I don't know how far reaching like I mean you can't erase the past, obviously, and, and the history is there, but it's just I think the genres exist for a reason and it's not to say that things aren't going to, things don't change. Like every genre evolves. You look at, you take any genre, you take metal, for example, and you, you look at metal 20 years ago and now, and it's, it's very, very, very different, but it's evolved in a way um, that I guess the, the core, you know, the core values, not values, it's kind of a stupid word to say, I guess the, just the core attributes of it um, are still there. And I'm not going to go on a big tangent about metal. I'm just using an example that it, it's, it, it's the genres. You need those you things. Need those be, things. Yeah. You need those constructs. It's like our radio test from last time, um, talking about country music. If you turn a random dial on the radio, hit another button, go to a different station, it doesn't matter if it's Pantera, Metallica, or I don't even I don't listen to metal, so I don't know who's new version of. I don't listen to much new metal either. But. Okay, so but if you click through the stations, and you, know you if you're on a metal NEW station, metal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're. You, you will know if you're on a metal station, if you're on a pop station, if you're on a hip hop station, if you're on a country station, mm -hmm. and or you should know, and you usually do. And it's the questions of you're on a country station, but you're listening to something that sounds like it should be on the rap station or the pop station. This is an interesting. This is an interesting road we're going down here because, like, country station nowadays. Country stations nowadays are probably one of the only stations you could turn to and question what the hell you're listening to. Yeah, and like, you wouldn't that's a really see the good point. You'd never. Yeah, you would. Would maybe you hear twin fiddles and a steel guitar playing on LL Cool J's "Rock the Bells" on <laughs> Satellite XM? No, absolutely not. No, but you will hear um, "Old Town Road," which should be on that similar sounding yeah. station you will hear it on the highway or wherever else so i i, I want to circle back a little bit um to who lil nas x is as as a person or as an artist i don't know a ton about him i don't think too many people do i think he's fairly new to the scene um it's been brewing in my mind for a couple of days now i legitimately had never heard this song uh beyond like tuesday of this week 
And I first listened to it, and I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? This is gibberish. Uh, the lyrics to me, I was just like, this is just, I don't get it. Like, he just made up some country words and, and did a song. And that, then I started to think, like, well, this is, this is a joke. This is a parody. And, and I, keep in mind, I've had about two days to three days to ponder this over. And I'm starting to get into the camp that this kid's a genius. And he just, he played, he played the whole industry system, whatever. And, uh, I, I think it's, it's pretty cool how he, how he did what he did. Um, and it's, but I, I think the commentary, whether it was intended or not on the entire genre of music, um, and the artists that are in the country charts right now, I think some like to me that's the funniest part of all of this is that he he put out this song, managed to get on the country charts, and it that I can't imagine that song took him very long to do. He he took a nine inch nail song of all things. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. Like so many people who are defending this are saying it's a country intro. It's banjos and it guitars. And, and we talked about this. I don't even think it's actually a banjo. I. I don't if know it's what a it banjo, is. But it's tuned very weirdly, and there's probably some effects on it. Like I play banjo. Yeah, it's not a banjo. Yeah, I, I have two banjos. It's the same. I'm like that doesn't sound twangy enough. I don't know. You said it maybe mandolin or ukulele. Ukulele or mandolin. I want to look up like the the Trent Reznor, whatever Nine Inch Nails, Thirty Four Ghosts, or whatever the song's called, and see what the maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's just a really non-resonating banjo, but um, like a four-string tenor or something. I don't know. Something like that, but it is it is pretty hilarious that at the root of all this is a Nine Inch Nails song. Yeah, and then I we were talking about this earlier as I came across uh, whatever article it was saying that um, this is uh, like his first number hot one hundred number one hit. As I did air quotations, like which I always do, and even though we're on a podcast, huh. um, which to me is like it, it's it's pretty hilarious that Trent Reznor scores his first hot number one. <laughs> Hit with a, yeah. <laughs> a hip hop song that's charting on country, and I, I guess it makes a case for what that, that woman was saying about uh, breaking down the walls of genres and all that kind of stuff. But uh, well, I guess it was his dad that gave him that idea. Um, I don't know where I was reading that. It might have been the New Yorker article that we were ripping on a little earlier. Um, part of all of the conversation that we're reading about is that so much of this was spurred by his father being upset that he was dropping out of school to make music. Um, but the part that hasn't been as talked about is that he wasn't specifically upset at that idea overall. It's that he was dropping out to be a rapper or a hip-hop artist in a field that, according to his dad, and very true, is very saturated. There's tons of artists, very difficult to even make a blip on the charts. And so very much to uh, Lil Nas X credit, he created something in a new, a new way, a new genre, figured out a way to become relevant outside of traditional ways. And I guess that's where he started uh, on TikTok and YouTube, making his videos and SoundCloud rapping, having a big following that way. And then I was reading about like some of the social media or, or whatever platforms that, that he used to gain popularity. And it's yeah. like, I like to think I'm pretty in touch, but some of them, I'm like, I don't even know what this is. This, I don't, yeah. this is amazing. Like, do I need to be taking advantage of this? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that it's such a non 
traditional way of going about doing something. And, and um, I, I, you know, I'm I'm happy when when I see things like this because they they turn things kind of upside down and they get you know people like us talking. They get an entire industry talking. Um, you get the people that just love the song for what it is and they don't care about any of this. And you get nerds like us who are like, we need to dissect this. And it's it's a worthwhile discussion. But, um, I get just circling back quickly to like the last point I was trying to make is that I feel like it's borderline um, for some of the artists that are on the charts today. It's kind of like, it's almost a laughing point that um, for a little Nas X that like, hey, listen, I, I just did this quick song that I, you know, sampled from Nine Inch Nails and... You know, it's charting better than like anything you guys have overproduced and tried to rap on and do whatever. I sang a couple like his the original version of the song, I think, was like a minute and 50 seconds long or something. <laughs> and then then he's like, and then, yeah, you know what? I just grabbed Billy Ray and then we we remixed it. And now it's like it, it's now hilarious. It's yeah. Like you got to wonder what like. I don't know. I always rip on Florida Georgia line, so I don't want to use them as an example. But I don't know. Whoever's on the charts nowadays with with crossover type stuff uh you wonder what they're thinking of this track or are they just salivating thinking like we need to get this kid on one of our tracks like, or upset about it yeah may, and maybe they are well it's, it's like that steve earl quote um the best stuff coming out of nashville is all by women except for chris stapleton he's great uh I, i'm reading the quote here um the guys just want to sing about getting fucked up they're just doing hip hop for people who are afraid of black people. I like the new Kendrick Lamar record, so I'll just listen to that. And that, that's that's so to the point. And that's Steve Earle, though. He's such a gem. He, like, to you're never gonna get anything but the truth. But it's like the same thing. It's like you, it's like your dad, right? It's like they're gonna tell you the truth. They don't care anymore. They've lost their filter. That's what yeah. I love about Steve Earle quotes. And it's it's getting at exactly what we we're talking about, where. So much of the already R&B wannabe rap from white guys on the country charts is somehow okay. Mm -hmm. And then when this comes up, it starts charting. Then it gets pulled off because it's not country enough. Do you think he's poking fun at both, like both genres? Because it's been suggested. I guess we won't really know until he puts out more music. Yeah. Because everything I listen to stuff of his from the past zero hint of country this is like the first thing like he's full out rap genre um this is the first thing that is at all in this direction so i don't know if this is song one of his new life as a country (laughs) rapper um we'll see what a whole album looks like if he makes an album i assume he will because every single record label is going to be all over him uh after this but uh that'll be the real litmus test was this a cute little parody that happened once and uh, took off or is this the beginning of something new this is you know to broaden the discussion this is what i love about music is that it when you think you have things figured out it's like something like this comes along and it's it's so simplistic and it's so divisive it's so you know it causes huge controversy discussions like this has been the whole history of music has been like this, but it's so cool that something so unexpected happens like this. And then all of a sudden it just turns everything upside down. Everybody starts talking about it. Um, it, It's, I don't know. It's a cool thing to discuss. I I went through a wide variety of emotions when you you told me we were going to do this episode. I was, 
you know, pretty hell bent on the episode we had planned on doing. And, and then, you know, like, like you said, we, we got in a bit of a heated argument about it the other day. And then we, we kept kind of jabbing about it for the next couple of days as we do. And uh, now we're here and this is like probably one of my favorite discussions um, we've had. But the more and more I think about it, the more it's just, I don't know, it's a cool, it's a cool thing that happened. And I, I love, I love being able to discuss these, these kind of things. It's interesting. And, uh, I, I hope it's, I hope it's, um, sort of jarring the industry a little bit or the genre of country music and the artists that are in it and making people think a little bit about what is happening in the genre and why X is okay, but Y is not okay. Or I guess I should say why Y is okay and X isn't okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yes. a rare well pun from yeah. my side <laughs> but uh we yeah should, i mean we it, should title the episode that yeah right that's good but um yeah it, it's an it's an interesting thing that, that happened and I, I really hope it does cause some well it's already causing waves but just causes people to think about what's being classified as, as country and who actually has the right to belong on these charts yeah, and if and if it goes in the direction of people saying this is not country, which I believe, um, I I just believe you can't be hypocritical about it. There's to- so much precedent set that to- you can't, you know. Well, if if this is a big enough controversy to say this is not rap or sorry, this is not country, you can't be on the country charts. Cool, fine. It's not. I don't believe it is country. And Remove it, and the it rest of be it. There. That's right. You have to take everything else with it. Yeah, like because you said that, that precedence has been set. Uh, exactly. All of this stuff, like Luke Bryan's tra- trap beat songs and Walker Hayes and Sam Hunt and everything. It's all. It's all got to go. It can't. Yeah, and it, you you can't be hypocritical. Like you can't that. talk you, out of two sides of your mouth with this. Yeah, and I feel like the whole the, that whole genre, that whole industry, that everybody who's talking shit about it is like they're talking out of both sides you'd have yeah. to remove all of it yeah which i'd be very happy if we just did you, a you'd clean, be extra happy yeah. yeah just clean the slate just a great purge yeah <laughs> i like to purge yeah, <laughs> so yeah it, I, I think it would be it would be good for the genre but um i don't know i we've also had this discussion before where i, I do feel like there is a, a place for um all of this crossover music whether it's pop whether it's hip hop crossover, where it's got elements, you, you can't just put a banjo in there and, and call it country. But I think there is a place for all of it, but it all belongs in the pop genre. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it gets people talking, and you know, I, I like that sentiment though. That if if one's not allowed, then nothing yeah. is. If totally. one is, then sort of everything is. Yeah, exactly. It, I'm I'm excited to, to hear what his next. Me too. I, I have a feeling it's probably not going to be country at all. Like, why? It seems like that would be an odd 50 50, man. Yeah. Because I, I would think probably not based on everything he's done in the past, but yeah. this is what made him a big deal. And if he wants to pick it up and run with it, maybe he will. And I'm sure there's Billy Ray's people and all of the rest of quote-unquote progressive pop Nashville probably is all beating down his door. I don't know. I had like, sometimes I, I go down some pretty deep conspiracy um, rabbit holes, I guess, and I, I don't want to delve into this too much. I, I had a thought at one point that I was like... I have like, no idea where this is going. <laughs> I'm stuck. It's not going to go that far. I was just thinking like, at one point I was like, maybe the whole thing is just like, 
maybe he's he's signed to a major already. Maybe this is just a giant, giant publicity stunt. It's, you know, we've seen it happen in the past. Yeah, it's not unrealistic. I think it's doubtful, but you yeah. never know. So, do you want to? I mean, we've may have sort of gone over a lot of this really in depth. It got me thinking a lot about sort of the history of hip hop and 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 country and, and how the two have come to coexist a little bit. And then as I started doing some more research on this episode, I, I started looking into that subgenre of, I guess it's country, being hip hop, mm. which, uh, you know, involves artists like Colt Ford. Uh, I don't know what, Bubba Sparks always gets mentioned, but I always felt like he was pure hip hop. But Yeah, he's, um, he's mentioned in a country context? Yeah, in this whole hip hop thing. But if you do listen to a lot of these guys, like, uh, like Big Smo, Moonshine Bandits, uh, I think I said Colt Ford earlier, uh, Up Church... Oh, oh church, yeah. yeah, so it's it's kind of all pushed in the yeah. same genre. And uh, it, I think it's a worthwhile discussion as to why there's an entire subgenre of, like, country that involves, like, a crazy long line of, like, primarily white rappers. And why is it, like, I don't know. I mean, we haven't touched too much on, like, a racism side of this, but... And I'm not going to start throwing out accusations within the industry, but it's odd that it's within the genre. It's so accessible for white rappers who sing about, I don't know, country stuff to be widely accepted as as part of the country genre. Um, maybe it's just that, you know, other rappers don't want anything to do with it. It's kind of a bastardized uh, genre. Like it's, if you ever listen to hip hop, it's, I don't know. It's not for everybody. That's for sure. I don't. I, I can't say I enjoy it. Um, I can't say I know anybody who enjoys it. No, no, me neither. But uh, it's an interesting discussion to have of, of where where this genre came from. And I think, you know, I, you and I had been talking about this a little bit before, and going into some real like deep history, reading articles and all that kind of stuff. And then we kind of had an interesting take on it that both of you just, both you and I just came up with in the sense that it was just like the melting of those two cultures happening sort of in the 90s, I guess, and then everybody that was influenced by that uh, in that said time frame that was probably around the same age as you and I, then in the 2000s started putting out music. And to simply put, it was like they were raised on country and hip-hop, hence we have hip-hop, or country, and it's not just hip-hop, it's country. I hate hate saying that word, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm not going to say it anymore. Okay. But and then we are just country rap crossovers or, or things like that. So it's just interesting to think about that it's purely as simple as the fact that these artists were raised on these two types of music. But I don't know why one influenced one genre and not so much the other genre. You don't see in the hip hop genre anybody taking on any aspects of country. Outside of a novelty track here and there. Yeah. That's why there's this will be interesting to see what happens. With Lil Nas X in the future. Yeah, that's for sure. What's his next move? What card is he going to play? Is he going to take this fame that he got from this one potentially satirical parody novelty track that now everybody knows his name and he's going to get back into everything he was doing before? Or is he going to take this and run with it? Because if the idea was in the first place to move things or do this country-ish thing so that he's not just a drop in the bucket in a very competitive pool of hip-hop, and now everybody knows him, 
is he going to run back to that genre and now everybody knows him and continue? Or is he going to continue on with what he started in this direction and Pers- try and make it a thing? Personally, I hope um, maybe he just keeps going uh, after other genres. Like maybe next song is like, like Carrie King from like Slayer gets on his next track and then he decides to just, you know, fuck with metal a little bit. Maybe after that. A klezmer band? Yeah, sure. He starts ripping on like uh, acid jazz next. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of some other weird subgenres. Yeah. You know, gets into some classic rock a little bit. <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, so uh, like a funny thing I came across, uh, usually as I'm researching these things, I, I find um, things that I don't know. You're a bit more of a historian than I am. So when we, we open up these discussions, it causes me to delve a little bit deep so I, I don't sound like a complete tool when I'm, when I'm talking about things. Um, I, I saw this whole thing about this thing called Music Mafia, which was the two guys um, from Big and Rich, so Kenny Alfin and John Rich. Uh, and it's this Music Mafia, which was um, basically it was... Music this, with a Z. Yeah, with a Z, yeah. of course. Um, it was country music without prejudice like they established a commercial pipeline through which their duo big and rich and uh, gretchen wilson and country rapper cowboy troy and other acts could gain traction in the country marketplace um it was like super diverse it spanned all sorts of races and genres um george clinton was involved in in some way shape or form there's a funny quote which i (laughs) get it but um uh, with Rich, I don't know his full name, I just said it earlier, but it doesn't matter, John Rich. Um, it was science fiction 10 years ago, and now it's a reality, which I think is kind of funny. I don't really know 100% what that means, like in what science fiction world did they meld all the genres together, but I don't know, it's probably a bad movie somewhere. Huh. Um, but anyways, on, like on a more serious note, um, it's a pretty cool thing coming from, like I'll be honest with you, I, I thought Big and Rich were two pretty big douches like i didn't know they had any substance um and that that's an interesting thing to to hear from them and uh i'm definitely looking into this music mafia thing more i want to learn more about it i I, i've never heard of that before no me neither and it's it's a cool thing that a a group of people it's surprising like gretchen wilson was was involved in that we were talking about that she's she's really cool and uh yeah, so there's a feather in the cap for Big and Rich, uh, aside from, you know, saving horses and riding cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally forgot about Cowboy Troy. He's been on the scene for so long, but I can't think of a single thing he does aside from being a part of Big and Rich. And I don't know if he was releasing his own music or not. I guess this this goes to some of the institutionalized or just systemic racism that happens within the country music industry where it's just so white to begin with and the black components of it either are swept under or not paid as attention what i keep thinking of is charlie pride uh who that's been in the back of my mind for a lot of this episode too but i didn't know how to weave it into i just thought of it as you were talking about cowboy troy and Um, so I've read some history on him and hearing, um, interviews where he's talking 
about back in the day, um, people who hadn't seen him on TV yet and just were listening to him on the Opry or wherever else, everybody thought he was white. Nobody talked about him being black. And it only changed things for some people after they saw him. Like they were in love with the music, assuming he was white. And then racial politics come into it. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, like almost in an opposite way, like Darius Rucker, probably the most, other than Charlie Pride, probably the most successful black country musician, but unlike Cowboy Troy or Lil Nas X, he, he plays the game. Like yeah. he's making country, country music and selling on the charts, essentially playing the game within the establishment, not really skirting outside of the box. No, and which making maybe, no waves. like Making no waves other than like positive sales ones. Yeah. Um, but I guess my point is when you juxtapose him and Cowboy Troy, where like what, why... I don't even know what Cowboy Troy has done recently, if ever, or outside of big and rich collaborations. So all I have here is that I brought this up quickly while while you mentioned it. Um, he released, I guess, his first signal, signal first single um, called I Play Chicken with the Train in 2005. There's some pretty good, uh, or a pretty good quote here. Um, so... His quote was, people say it's impossible, not probable, too radical, but I've already been on CMA's. Hell, Tim McGraw said he liked, he liked the change, and he likes the way my hiccup sounds. Uh, it goes on to say that Troy may well have been the first to self-identify as a hiccup performer. So that's interesting. Um, it it kind of it destroys my point about hiccup being a primarily um, white genre. Um, he faced an uphill battle at the intersection of genre, race, and culture. Uh the single I Play Chicken with the Train didn't do much for his bid to be taken seriously as an artist. Um, blah, blah, blah. There's not much else to it. but I, So I guess, I don't know. I don't know what happened after that. I'm sure some stuff happened after that. But it's interesting that it, it sounds like he was kind of one of the first hip-hop artists. Yeah. wonder yeah. what he's doing now. I don't know. Let's, let's revisit that at some point. Let's have a um, Cowboy Troy sort of reunion episode. Let's call him. I got his number here. Hang on. <laughs> okay. So speaking, I'll just... No, but speaking, um, speaking of hip hop, what was, we were talking earlier, what was that song you were playing that was ridiculous? It sounded like a late eighties, early nineties ad. Oh, that was, uh, what the hell were they called? Um, I'm thinking Hillbilly Deluxe, but it's not. That's, that's oh, that, that country rap that uh, yeah, yeah. Bellamy Brothers was that, that. That wasn't Bellamy Brothers. Yeah, really? That was Bellamy Brothers. <laughs> it was almost. Like, it was ridiculous. Because like, Bellamy Brothers, like I don't know if you know them. They've got that. They're pretty legit '80s country. Yeah, well, that was uh, that was something. <laughs> it sounds like it should be on like WrestleMania commercial or something. Yeah, like it was like a Hulk Hogan like yeah. cereal like commercial, and <laughs> he was rapping about corn pops or something, or, or more eight. That's a pretty '80s cereal, I guess. Um, yeah, it was. I couldn't. I can't believe that existed. Well, we're definitely going to put a link up to that. But uh, enough about this. Uh, let's listen to some real hip hop. What do you say we go put on a Kendrick record? Yeah, I'm on board with that. Let's do it.
country, country music.